Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcoming your phone calls and text messages for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Our phone number and text number is 651-461-9226 for your lawn and garden questions. Teresa Rooney, good morning. Good morning, Denny. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking. I hope you are as well. And uh, another hot stuff here. We've got, uh, besides today, two more days of 90 or greater high temperatures, and then uh, and then we'll get a break. But uh, what does that mean? I mean, uh, you know, we, there are so many watering restrictions, uh, as I guess there should be. Uh, but what's the most important thing we need to do for our plants and shrubs, et cetera? Water them. Uh, If they need watering, especially if you've planted anything in containers like your tomatoes or anything like that, it's really important to keep that soil moisture um, the same uh, damp, uh, slightly moist all the time for those tomatoes. So then you don't have blossom end rot, you know, come your first picking in July. So it's really important. And sometimes those containers, if they're on the south or the west or a hanging basket or if it's kind of small, you might have to water twice a day. So keep that in mind with your with your watering. And um, if you are having to water that often, you may have to fertilize once a week because you're, uh, you're washing out all the fertilizer you put in. So lightly fertilize half every week if you have to water so often. But well, yeah, that's a good those, point. Those new little plants, they really need that, yeah. I never thought about that. That's a good point. Yeah. Say, how did the plant sales go? Oh, my gosh. I have to thank everyone who came to the uh, plant sales. I can only speak for Hennepin County, but I'm sure the other plant sales went great, too. Ours was fantastic. We had a wonderful crowd show up and help support us, and and we had over 17,000 plants, and I think we sold most of them. So that's wonderful, and we were really excited, and we thank the community so much for, for supporting the Master Gardeners. Does that happen more than once a year, Teresa? Uh, no, we only have one plant sale in, okay. in uh, May, but we do have a learning garden tour coming up in July, on the 8th of July. It'll be in the northern uh, Hennepin suburbs. So if you're up in that area or you want to see Master Gardener Gardens and learn about what the Master Gardeners are doing in those gardens, and there'll be Master Gardeners at every garden to answer any question that you might have. So. Uh, you can you can go on to hennepinmastergardeners.org, our website, and get some more information and look at it and maybe buy a ticket or think about if you want to bring a friend on July 8th and wander through some really pretty gardens. And you can, if you will, remind us next time you're on, too. I will definitely uh, about do that, that yeah. So that's yep. July. 
That's in July, yep. After All the right. 4th of July, so you've got to celebrate the 4th first, and then, uh, excellent. then we'll do uh, gardening, yep. Teresa, I'm looking, and then we're going to grab some phone calls. Uh, I'm looking at a, a text that just came in. It says, hi, I have a two-foot-tall, two-year-old balsam fir. When should I start pruning it to help it get thicker? Is that is that something to do? Well, to shape it, you can start pruning it. Um, as soon as it starts to candle out and you see that new growth, you can prune back half of that new growth if you want to to, to kind of shape it a little bit. You don't want to wait it wait till it gets to the size you want it to be and then try to keep it at that size. So you want to just slow down the growth a little bit, shape it up a little bit, um, and just do that. I'll always go to the extension website, extension.umn.edu, and click on the Yard and Garden tab, and that will have some great information about whatever gardening question you may have or if you want Very to good. check how reliable I am. Yeah, we'll, uh, we always like to mention that website, and we, of course, will do that again. Uh, let's uh, grab a phone call or two. Bernie's calling in first uh, up here, uh, calling in from Plymouth, I believe. Bernie, what's your question for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney? Good morning. So I have uh, holes in the middle of my hostas, and I went yesterday and bought some sluggo and put out a can of beer, which uh, supposedly works. But I'm wondering if there's if you have any other recommendations or if there's anything other than slugs that would cause that. Um, first of all, I have to say I apologize if you hear my parrot. He's having a meltdown. Oh, I'm so parrot. sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not like torturing a neighbor or something. Okay, it's just doing its he, thing. He's usually okay. never talking this time of the morning. And I've turned off all the lights I can find. Okay. Um, oh, I think we lost Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the parrot cut the line. <laughs> what let's do? Uh, and then we're going to get back to Bernie's, the answer for Bernie in Plymouth. Susan in Princeton, you're going to be next up uh, here on the phone. We're going to reconnect with uh, with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. So stay with us here at Newstalk A3OWCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Welcoming your lawn and garden questions this morning for Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener. Uh, she, 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 uh, your parrot has moved to another loca- locale. <laughs> so I we have can, moved uh, to another location, so the parrot uh, isn't yelling. A fun, a fun, a fun critter. Uh, we have callers and we have textures, a bunch of both. Uh, I'll tell you what, if Bernie is still with us, let's have Bernie, uh, uh, for those who may be joining us a little bit late. Bernie, ask your question again so we can all hear it and, and follow through. Sure. Yeah, I have uh, holes in the middle of my hostas, and I mm-hmm. went yesterday and bought some sluggle and I put out a little container here. So I'm, I'm wondering if anything else could cause it other than slugs or if you have any other recommendations? That's a really good question, Bernie. So what could have happened is it could have been beetles or caterpillars and the slug won't work on the beetles probably. Um, so if you can find the slugs, that's very helpful. You take them and pick them off and throw them away. You can also just lay some boards down um, or some damp newspaper, lift them up in the morning and you will find the, um, the slugs under there and then you can get rid of them that way. You have mulch, pull the mulch back a little bit away from the hosta. And okay. you should be good to go then. All right, Bernie, thanks for hanging on. Uh, Susan is next, calling in from Princeton, I believe, this morning. Thank you, Susan. What is your question? 
Um, hi. I, over the winter, a lot of um, my grass has died. I've got quite a bit of acreage out here, and I'm kind of in the middle of farms, and there's not you know a lot of heavy traffic, but we have a lot of deer. And um, my brother was had recommended I put um, clover down over the patches, and he said the deer would like it. And is that a good thing to incorporate with regular grass? Uh, clover is a wonderful plant to incorporate with the grasses because it actually is a nitrogen fixer. So um, it, it grabs nitrogen from the air, puts it on the little nodules on its roots, and then as those roots die off over the year, because roots die and then roots grow and roots die, but as it dies off, it releases the nitrogen back into the soil, and that can feed your your grass. So it's a nitrogen. It's like a fertilizer. So and there is low maintenance. Uh, doesn't have to be cut that often. You probably will never have to cut the clover. You'll just be cutting the grass. So clover is a wonderful thing to add. Very good. Uh, we're going to get more calls here uh, answered in a moment. A lot of texts coming in as well. Here's one, uh, Teresa. Uh, this texter has a large ash tree. They had a, a large one removed at the stump ground. Uh, they want to know, how do I prepare this area for grass seed? Um, if you can add some compost. Uh, some organic matter, maybe a little bit of topsoil, and um, as remove as much of the sawdust as you possibly can, and then add the compost in the topsoil, and then you just plant the grasses. Go to the extension website at grassseedextension.umn.edu. That will give you a really good idea. With the weather being so hot, it's not the best time to plant the grass seed, but you can try it. You'll have to keep it watered very frequently, and I probably, if you can get some them a little bit of straw or a little bit of grass that you've already mown and it's dried a little bit like straw, then sprinkle that over the area that you seeded in, and that will stop some of the birds from taking all of the seed. All right. It'll hide the seeds from the the birds. Back to the phones we go. Ken calling in from Maplewood this morning. Thank you, Ken. What's your question for uh, Teresa Rooney? Yes, I have two questions. Uh, One is... uh, I have one of those amaryllis in the wax yeah. ball. Mm-hmm. And I heard that you could put that in dirt and it'll, it'll re-sprout. Yep. And, uh, so, so plant it in, in the soil or in a container, whichever you prefer. Make sure to plant it high so that the, the shoulders of the bulb are just above the soil line. And then just grow it in a nice place. I probably started off, if it's got leaves on it now, I started in a shadier area and then move it to a honey, sunnier area. But it'll grab a lot of photosynthesizing during the summer and then it'll have a lot of energy to bloom for you next year. Next and you fall. don't feel the wax off of it? You just leave it the way it is? Um, hmm, it's, it's one of those wax. I would probably get some of the wax off because you want, when you pull it up, is it like, did you set it in water? Is that how that grows? No. No. no, it just no. is it in it's soil right now. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, yeah. Then just plant it as it is in the soil, um, just at the same level it's already at. And then my next question is: What is is it advantageous to uh, have to, if I have tomatoes in a container to leave them in a, a reservoir for water? The potatoes. Tomatoes. 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 Oh, um, you don't want to leave water in, in, like in a saucer or something. Uh, You want the soil to remain moist, but you don't want it to be wet and soggy. You want some air pockets in there. So you don't want to, like, sit it in a saucer and let it sit in the saucer with, you know, four inches of water up against the base constantly. You want it to be able to dry a little bit, but still stay moist, if that makes any sense. 
All right. Very good. Uh, Thank you. Let's uh, grab uh, more calls and then more texts. Uh, Steve calling in this morning from Savage with a question. Steve, what is your question for Teresa? Good morning. Great show. Um, Listen, I've got a hibiscus that I've had for about probably about four years now. And the strangest thing has happened is that the other day I have caught squirrels eating on that hibiscus and they have stripped some of the uh, some of the um, the arms of it or the branches. And I'm wondering, what can you do to discourage them from continuing to do that? And should I cut the uh, cut the stripped ones back or just leave it? Do you think they'll grow back? Uh, um, what's a guy to do? It is. <laughs> they might grow back. Um, squirrels, um, their teeth grow all the time, so they're always gnawing. And this is a new plant that's come into their area outside and has all this tender bark. And they're just gnawing at it, maybe getting some moisture, just basically harassing the poor little plant to death. Um, so what I might want to, what you might want to try is get some of the uh, sprays that have like hot pepper in them that may deter them. Otherwise, you're going to have to put like a, a something, a netting or or a fence around it so they can't get into it until they can find something else to go for. Um, maybe set out some water containers in case that's what they're doing is looking for moisture. But I think they're they found a new play toy and they're just going crazy. And I'm and for cutting them back, um, I'd wait to see if they can re-sprout. If they don't re-sprout, you can go ahead and cut those back, and it will send out some more branches for you. All right. Let's grab another phone call before we pick up on the text messages. Uh, Jan, I believe, is calling in this morning from Minneapolis. Thanks for waiting, Jan. What is your question for Teresa? Good morning. I have two uh, burning bush shrubs, and mm-hmm. they have just grown so big, and I'm wondering, when is when is a good time for me to trim them back? Um, Jan, you can go ahead and trim those back now. Um, I always suggest if, you, if you're not quite sure, you can look at the extension website, extension.umn.edu, and click on the Yard and Garden tab, and it will tell you when you can prune some of these things. But the burning bush, you can prune it to shape right now. And remember, whenever you're pruning a plant, you never want to take off more than a quarter of it at a time. So look at how big the branches are and figure out how far back you want to cut it so you're only cutting back a quarter of that foliage because otherwise it's a shock to to the plant system. So you may have to cut this in next year, cut a little more, and then the other year just cut a little more if if they've gotten really big and too too big. But good luck with that, Jan. Our phone number happens to also be our text number, 651-461-9226. Speaking of text, Teresa, here's one. Good morning, good neighbors. Your Saturday morning shows get me up and going. Thank you. Me too. Uh, I, I recently <laughs> too. received... An Easter lily and an Oriental lily, will they survive with what care and for how long if I plant them outdoors? Mm, The Easter lily might survive a few years for you. The Oriental lily probably will survive a few years. Uh, Go ahead and plant them just uh, at the same depth they're already in the container and uh, just give them a nice lot of sun out there. If they've been in the house all this time, uh, maybe um, do like you would for a brand new tomato plant or anything else you just purchased, um, get it used to being outside, put it in the shade for a few days, move it into some brighter sun, and then finally into the brightest sun, and then go ahead and plant it in your garden. Good luck. This listener, Teresa, asks, can I trim our spirea now? Uh, yes, you can trim your spireas now, um, especially if you have a bridal respirea right after it finishes blooming. It's the perfect time to trim that one because okay. it sets its buds very quickly after it blooms. So you want to get that done within a few weeks. 
Here's an oops one. My lawn company mistakenly sprayed weed killer on my 20-year-old peonies, or peonies, if you will. The, uh-huh. plants are, the plants are curled up. Will they come back, or are they done, the company says? Well, they might. Well, they, they might. It, it really depends on, on how, much, uh, how much contact there was. I would try to, if you, this is probably past the point, but as soon as they accidentally sprayed it, um, it would have been nice if they would have done water and washed off as much as they could. Um, it, but it just depends. It depends on how quickly that, that poison gets down into the system and how much poison is getting down into those roots and killing the roots. So um, trim off all the dead stuff. Uh, keep it really well, take care of it really carefully, like watering and everything else. And it may come back or they may not. Okay. I'll tell you what, I know we're going to break for that uh, hot forecast, uh, but let's grab another phone call before we do so. Tom is calling in this morning from Minnetonka, I do believe. Tom, good morning. What is your question, please? Um, I've got a couple, actually. First of all, if you want to use a mechanical method to kill a buckthorn stump, like a can something, how long do you have to do that for? Um, how long do buckthorns poison the soil for after you've removed them? And okay. I have a, I've got a cerise, I'm sorry, uh, uh, a red bud? red bud that got, I watered it last Friday, went out of town for one day and came back on Sunday and it was completely shriveled up. Is that going to be foliation early in the year? I, I would I would give that um, just keep it really well watered. Um, if the if the leaves have gone crinkly, you can like just kind of crush those off so you don't have to look at them, and that's so sad. Um, but uh, the buckthorn, keep the cap on at least a full season, uh, and then then uh, you know pull it up, and if you start to see new growth, cut the growth and put the cap back on again. And the um, the buckthorn, the stuff in the soil, as long as the plant has died. Those roots will die fairly quickly, and so then that that uh, that the chemical that causes other plants not to grow so well dissipates fairly quickly as the water moves through the soil. So, so you should be okay then to plant. All right, very good. good luck. We need to uh, take a break for weather, so hang on, Teresa. We have about another. You should be okay then to plant. All right, very good. good luck. We need to uh, take a break for weather, so hang on, Teresa. We have about another half hour of the show to go here on our Smart Garden Show, 651-461-9226. The weather straight ahead here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We're here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, thanks to folks like Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Teresa's with us this morning answering those lawn and garden questions at 651-461-9226. And, Teresa, as usual, callers and texters that will keep you busy uh, the rest of the way. Again, we always like to remind folks a couple of things. Get to the Arboretum. Uh, you have to sign on online, but it, it really is so worth the trip, and you'll be going back often. Uh, but and we you know also what's like to mention at the Arboretum. Again, you know what's happening at the Arboretum? No, today? no, tell me. The second day of the Master Gardener Conference. What really? So all the Master Gardeners in the state of Minnesota—well, not all of them. I mean, they can all go, but a bunch of them are there. So you can mm, find so all kinds of Master Gardeners out there. 
who who are great educators, and if you have any yeah. kind of questions, boy, you're going to have a lot of help. Uh, head uh, west help. <laughs> on Highway 5 to 41. That's the closest intersection, a little bit beyond that west, and you're, you'll have the entrance. But again, uh, you have to make your reservations online, Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes the parking so much easier. It and does. It's, it it's does. really worth the trip. And, the and also, they're gorgeous out there in the uh, rock garden. It's beautiful. Yes, get out there and see it. Yeah, bring your camera or your your mm-hmm. cell phone because it's, there's so much to to photograph as well. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get back to business here. Nancy is first up here calling uh, from Edina, I think. Hi, Nancy. What's your question? Good morning, Danny and Teresa. Um, I re- I received, hello, can you hear me? Yes, yep. perfect. Hello, okay. I received an absolutely gorgeous Rieger Begonia pot for Mother's Day. And I'm pretty good with plants, but since I've gotten this thing home and put it on my deck, it looks worse all the time. <laughs> and I can't figure out whether the pot isn't draining whether I'm not giving it enough water, too much sun, not enough sun. I, I read the little card that came with mm-hmm. it, which said mm-hmm. part sun, part shade, which is what I'm trying to give it, but it's just not doing well. I wonder if you have any suggestions. Um, check, do check the pot. You could actually lift the plant out of the pot, see what the soil's doing. If the roots look okay, put it back in. I'm thinking it's just too much sun out on the deck. As those babies are like a shade plant. I, you know, maybe, maybe morning sun, it could get anything past that, probably too hot for it. Um, but then check the soil, see how moist the soil is. They want to remain just a little bit moist, not super dry. You can let it dry a tiny bit, but then do give it water. Make sure it is draining also. All right. Let's, uh, thanks, Nancy. Let's, uh, let's grab another phone call and let's see if we can do a bit of a lightning round with our uh, okay. text, uh, texters. Kelly calling in uh, this morning from Maple Grove. Kelly, thank you. What is your question? Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I have a question regarding um, mustard lavender plants in terms of how to grow them from seed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, the Munstead lavender, um, you need full sun. A very well-drained soil. If you've got any clay at all in your soil, you want to raise that, that plant up so it's sitting above um, the ground level just a little bit, so you plant it a little shallow. And I would uh, mix in um, maybe some sand, maybe a lot of compost in there to lighten up that soil as much as you possibly can. But it's going to need full sun and really well-drained soil. Um, and then it will live a few years here in our climate. Sometimes you can get them to live four, five, six years. Sometimes they're only going to last two or three years. It's just um, we, we just have a, a too hot of a humid, humidity, humidity in our climate. just doesn't like that. But you need full sun and really well-drained soil so it can dry out a little bit. Okay. Good luck. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you Kelly. Um, this uh, texter wants uh, some suggestions, uh, Teresa, but what are good plants uh, to grow in extremely dry spots. Okay, uh, so go to the extension website, look on the yard and garden line for xeriscape plants or plants for really dry spots. Um, you, you'd want the things like you could do cactus, you could do a lot of our prairie plants will, will uh, work, and our uh, prairie grasses will work really well. Once you get them established, they'll be really fine because they've got deep roots and can go hunting for water. Um, you can also top dress with a little compost. That'll help add a little more organic matter into your soil, and when the water comes, it'll help hold that water a little bit more for those plants. Good luck with that. 
This uh, listener wants to know, when can I cut down my Wajila plant after it's bloomed? Can it be cut to a foot or two height then? Oh, you know, I'm I'm not going to guess on this one. I, I think you can cut it back, but they don't suffer really freely. So I would definitely look at the extension website and see if you can do a renewal pruning on that Wajila. Um, but yeah, you would want to prune it back uh, to shape just after it blooms. Okay. This listener says, good morning. I have burning bushes and they are growing well, but every couple of weeks a branch or two and its leaves dry up and wither away, but the rest of the bush remains okay. Uh, It'll be okay. Then the same thing happens again. What do you think is happening there? There could be some uh, borers in there, B-O-R-E-R, borers, little insects that like to nibble and drill into plants. Then they interrupt the flow of nutrients up and down the plant. You could look for those. There'll be uh, holes near the bottom where you first start to see the damage, where like trace that branch all the way back to the ground. Um, and then you could go online uh, again to the extension website and figure out maybe which border is doing it and how to treat it and when to treat it. Um, I'm not going to take a wild guess there and tell you what is which one it is and, and when to treat it. I don't want to tell you wrong. So go to the extension good. website for that. Good idea. This listener, Teresa, says, I have two raised beds. Both have red onions from seedlings planted in each. One bed onions are twice as mature. What do you think is happening with the smaller ones? Hmm. Um, If they're right next to each other, they're getting the same amount of sun. One bed may have a little more organic matter in. If you had a bunch of seedlings, it, it is possible that one pack of seedlings was just a little further ahead than the other pack was. Uh, they should catch up as long as they can get full sun. Make sure you're watering them well and keep them very well weeded because onions don't like competition like that. Hmm. Another text is, can we cut dead pine branches now? Yep. When a branch is dead, you can cut that at any time. Uh, go ahead and get those out of there so you don't have to look at them anymore. If it's a pine branch, it isn't going to re-sprout from that area. Pines just don't do that. So that will always be an empty area on the tree for you. Another text says, can I trim back a bleeding heart? If it's the uh, the old-fashioned bleeding heart, once it finishes blooming, you can trim it back. Understand, though, that as long as it's photosynthesizing, it's grabbing energy for next year's uh, flowering. Uh, if it's a big, old, old, old plant that's really established, go ahead and trim it back. Usually they die down in the heat of the summer anyway. They just naturally kind of die down. But if you need to trim it back a little bit just for aesthetics and, and trim back as least as you can till you till those uh, start to die down and trim them way back. A lot of trimming questions this morning. Lots of trimming questions. <laughs> here, here, in fact, here's another one. Do I trim my lilac bushes now that the blooms are finished? That's a perfect time to trim those. So any spring plants that you have, once they finish blooming, trim them right after that if you're going to do any trimming because those spring plants actually set their flower buds within the next three weeks after they finish blooming. After that time, any trimming you do, you're cutting off next year's flowers. It's usually not a problem unless you wanted the flowers. A listener says, uh, my tulips seem to be more more foliage, fewer flowers as they age. I've heard theories from dig up and replant in the fall to dig up and replace with new bulbs. Is there a proper way to keep them blooming for years? It depends on which tulips they are. Some of the, uh, the later they bloom, the less likely they are to come back every year. So you want to get the ones that come up earlier in the season. They're more likely to, to, 
to perennialize and keep coming back, and some of them even increase a little bit. But if you're finding that they bloom, they're blooming late because that's what they're supposed to do, and they're just kind of not blooming as much anymore, uh, it's your option. Then you digging them up probably isn't going to help. They're trying to make new babies under there, and that'll take like 10 years for those babies to be big enough to bloom anyway. So then just replant new tulips in that area uh, next fall. And uh, then when the leaves come up, they'll just add more leaves. And you can, if you want to dig them up, you can and toss them. But I would just plant more tulips next fall. Okay, another lilac comment or question. A friend, the texter says, has a very healthy six-year-old lilac bush that stands now about five feet tall. Leaves are healthy. Bush is full. Only once a few years ago did it produce a small lilac. Again this year, it did not produce any lilacs. What can she do to make it flower? It's in a partly sunny location. That's the problem. They need full sun. The less sun they get, the less blooming you're going to get. They're a full sun plant. So uh, if you want to, you could uh, dig it up with as big of a ripple as you can, move it into more sun. Or if you can limb up some trees to get it some more sun, that will help. But lilacs are a full sun plant. So the more sun they get, the better they'll bloom for you. Let's grab a quick lawn question before we take a break. This uh, listener wants to know, can I mix the grub control with the weed and feed when I put it on the yard? Um, If the timing of both is at the same time, you can do that, yeah. Okay, Uh, let's do another one. Can you kill wild violets and raspberries? Uh, You can. You just would dig them up and and keep digging them until you get them all. Or you can use a broadleaf weed killer, make sure anything it touches Dig them up and and keep digging them until you get them all. Or you can use a broadleaf weed killer. Make sure anything it touches is something you want to kill because it will kill everything except your grass. Okay. All right, let's do this. A quick break is in order. Just a reminder, coming along next hour, the 9 o'clock hour, uh, Andy Lindis will be with us answering any kind of a home improvement question you may have this morning. So that will be next hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your phone calls and text messages, lawn and garden type, this morning for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Teresa, we have uh, still a bunch of text messages. Uh, Let's see if we can't uh, get some help before we run out of time. Here's one. Uh, I have a potted hydrangea purchased two months ago at a garden store. Would like to plant it outside. I don't know if it is a perennial. Do you think it will survive out there? It just depends. Um, you could call the store where you bought it and find out if yeah. it is a perennial. There should be a tag on there, and then you could Google that the name of that tag, whatever it says, PG or whatever it says, and it will tell you what zone it's, it's um, in. Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, this uh, listener just had four 40-year-old pine trees removed. Well, uh, what do I have to do to the soil to plant grass? And more importantly, when can I plant trees there? And what type would be a good choice? Well, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd go to the university website for, uh, like I've done for specific trees. What do you think? I would, too. And then I'd also head out to the Arboretum and look at those trees full grown and see if you like what they look like. Uh, as for the grass seed, uh, go ahead and just add, uh, you know, make sure you've raked up as much of the needles and stuff as you can. You don't have to worry about acidity or anything with that in the soil, but you do want to put some fertility back to that soil. So top dress with some compost and or some topsoil and then plant the grass seed. And I would go to the extension website because it's not the greatest time to do grass seed. You may want to think about a hydro seeding or even um, sod at this time if it's a full sun area. Otherwise, 
I would wait until seeding for that into the fall. Okay. Here's an interesting question, uh, Teresa. The, what's the difference between when it's labeled sun to part shade or shade to part sun? They're confused. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of tricky. Um, I, You know, I'm not sure why they would label it like that. I would say, though, that they're putting it, the first one is the most important part. So if it's labeled sun, it really would like full sun, but it does okay in the shade. And if it's labeled shade first, it really likes shade. But if it gets little dappled sunlight, that's going to be okay. So it's kind of like your ingredients on your on your food. The first one is the most important one, and then the second one is like, yeah, I'll do okay in that situation. Uh, listener wants to know what type of trees can be trimmed during this weather. Um, anything except your oaks and elms, and I probably wouldn't trim my um, ashes either. Uh, and I'd hesitate on the birches uh, just because of bronze birch borer. But again, I suggest that you know which trees you have, and if you're doing the trimming, that you go to the extension website and double-check all the trees that you have to make sure it's okay to trim during this time. Maples and things like that are fine, but I, I don't touch those oaks, don't touch those elms, and I'd worry about the, the ashes and the birches. And as I mentioned earlier, too, looking at the forecast, Teresa, it looks like today, tomorrow, and Monday will still be 90 to 92. But mm-hmm. uh, by yeah. Tuesday, will uh, will be uh, daytime highs around 80. So some relief right. uh, is some on relief. the way. That'll help. Yeah. Oh, and trimming your trees. Don't be pruning your fruit trees. And like any trees that are in the rose family, like a mountain ash, when it's really high in fungus, the alta. So no fruit trees yet. This no time. fruit trees. Yeah, I wouldn't trim your fruit trees. They're just setting their fruit right now. That that trimming should have been done in, in February and March. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this listener says, my money wart gets worms every other year. What do you think? Bug be gone? What can I use? Hmm, money wart getting worms. You mean, they must mean caterpillars of some type. Um, I would... You could pick them, the caterpillars off. Uh, you could uh, encircle your money wart with um, uh, like a floating row cover before the caterpillars are, are the eggs are laid. Otherwise, uh, you could look at the bug off or whatever uh, and look for something that will that will hit those caterpillars. Make sure it lists that there's caterpillars on there that it'll kill, or if it's a contact poison. But if your plant recovers from it every year, I wouldn't worry about it. If they're caterpillars, they could be caterpillars for a really cool butterfly that you want to see later on. And if you can identify those caterpillars and then see what it turns into, you may be happy to sacrifice the money where it leaves for a little while to get those pretty butterflies or moths. Well, you said it, and uh, your colleagues always say it too, no matter what you're using, always use, uh, read the label, the directions, right? Yep. The label is the law. You've got to read the label. And yeah. follow it to the letter, literally to the letter. To the letter. Yep. Every, this listener says every single year our alpine current shrubs get powdery mildew, and it started over a week ago. How early can I begin to pre-treat? You could probably start treating those as soon as the leaves start to come out. Um, so now you notice it came out a week ago. So go back like two weeks, mark that on your calendar, and maybe start treating that time next year for powdery mildew. If you can um, uh, make some more air circulation around them, maybe a little judicious pruning so that they're not as thick and some air circulation, that might help. And if you've got any overhead watering, make sure they're not being watered during the night or uh, that, that, that those leaves are staying as dry as possible. 
This text uh, says, I have a large 24-inch diameter silver maple on the boulevard that has many large roots rising on the surface, getting hard to mow around them. We get this a lot, I know. Uh, any mm-hmm. suggestions on what can be done to level it by adding soil or mulch, etc., or best just leave it be? Best is just leave it be. That's what they do. Um, they uh, that, That's how they live. They like their roots right up the soil. It's just the way they are. So just let it be, and uh, if you need to, uh, just maybe mulch a little bit so you're not even looking at grass. Don't even think about the grass there. Get rid of the grass and just put some mulch down and leave it at that or plant your woodland plants under there. Uh, another listener, a couple of them actually would ask you to repeat the university's website. We always like to do that anyway at this time, but uh, give us that website and what we can find there, all sorts of okay. stuff. It's, um, so first of all, if you totally forget everything, you know it's the University of Minnesota. So all you really have to do is say, uh, lawn problems, UMN, and it'll get you to the website. Uh, but if, if you have a better memory than I do, you can say extension.umn.edu and then click on the yard and garden tab so you don't get like into the agroforestry or something like that. And just Go to the website, you'll find things on how to start plants, how to grow seeds, what trees you should grow, great lawn care, identify what bug is this, identify what disease is or what is happening to my tomatoes, uh, all kinds of stuff. Weed identification, there's everything on there. And then there's timely tips. You can also catch Master Gardeners on there. Way down at the bottom, it's Ask a Master Gardener, so you can send them questions there too. All right, very good. Uh, this uh, tester says this, an eight-year-old autumn blaze maple tree, the leaves on top are thin. It turned red in August early last year. Oh, what do you think is mm-hmm. going on there? Um, there? There is things like maple dieback that what I would look, though, is look at how your tree is going into the ground. Can you see the root flare, or does the tree look like a telephone pole going straight into the ground? Maples are notorious for getting girdling roots, and that com- that's a root that comes out of the stem because it was planted too deep, and it act- the root turns around and actually starts to strangle the tree. So there's less and less nutrition that can get into the tree and come down from the tree, and eventually that tree will die or it'll snap off in a wind. So if it's girdling roots, again, go to the university website. You can learn about that. But if the roots are, are strangling the tree, that could be the option. Um, I would also look and see what's happening to my maple. And I'll give you some ideas about why you might be seeing some crown dieback or some crown thinning. Less than a minute to go, Teresa. Let's get our final question. The, my rain barrel water is smelling really bad. Why would that happen? It was empty until the last rain. Is it still safe to use, do you think? It's safe to use on trees and shrubs. I wouldn't use it on your garden. And once it's emptied, I give it a good clean with some bleach. I give it a good rinse out, and it should be fine again. And then just use that water as quickly as you can. You don't want to store it in there. You want it to be empty for the next time you're going to need water. Excellent. Teresa, thank you so much for your thank expertise. You. We always have fun. Yeah, have we'll, fun we'll talk to you real cool. soon. Okay. And you as Bye-bye. well. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney here on CCO. Now, Andy Lindis will be joining us next hour for our usual home improvement show. Just a reminder, tomorrow morning in our 7 o'clock health hour, we'll be having a sleep doc on. Uh, If you have problems with sleep, uh, restless leg, things like that, we're going to have the doctor on answering those questions. That's tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO.